0: Welcome back, everybody, uh, to the fifth generation leadership podcast dot Grant and Mark Zito here with us. Um, looking forward to meeting you, Mark. I haven't even had a chance to, uh, meet or talk to you myself yet. So this'll all be, <clears throat> you know, new, new to all of us, uh, as far as myself and the viewing audience sounds like Grant knows quite a bit about you. Uh, yeah, so-
1: we've, we've met, I'm, I'm sorry. Gosh, uh, my screen i don't like how this all looks with the Oh,
0: okay i got it. what do i do what do i do (laughs) with that
1: it's going to distract the shit out of me this entire time
0: yeah go into the fifth generation
2: leadership podcast with grant and rod
1: oh wow that's so so busy that's terrible there you go no it's not
0: no it looks good you look you get to
1: see all of the all the things like I got the yeah, printers running here. back there, yeah. I got my dead animals
0: on the wall. I mean I just I feel yeah, it. That's what's real I life. Just, I find this empty patch of wall in between two doors and I just set up like this every time. <laughs> so yeah, I'm actually, still working. I'm gonna
2: have like bookshelves behind
1: me. Yeah. Hang right on, now that's painter's tape to mark <laughs> <Okay. I'm, laughs> where the shelves are going. I have an idea. Wait, All did right. that did I just cut out?
0: No, no, yeah. you're good. Okay. I personally though, I think it looks good. It doesn't look cluttered. You look like a clean person. You got some deer racks on the wall.
1: I, I took a shower. You <laughs> took at a shower, me.
0: you
2: know? But no, I like it. I, I like it I, as is. All right, yeah, stick with I, this.
0: I like it as is too. Um, if I didn't have yelling, screaming kids and barking dogs running around all over the place. Oh, I you've got that too? Yeah. Uh, I probably wouldn't be, you know, isolated in my room right now next to a wall between the bathroom and the closet. So. Ah. <laughs> okay i'm I'm still working on my own home home office so i feel you man
1: yeah one day one day are you still in i am not nope lucky bastard
0: oh so you are so i'm assuming we're gonna get to that so
1: yeah uh, we get we get to make our uh make our disclaimers
0: right um no, yeah. Um yeah, I, it's it's very nice to meet you. Um this has all been arranged through through Grant, like I said. Um, so I haven't even had the privilege to get to know you yet. Um mm-hmm. I was hoping to chat your ear off and give my introductions uh before we started hitting recording, but I was like, you know what, this is more natural. So I'm gonna pass it over to Grant and okay. uh, you know, let him give you uh uh your, the introduction that you deserve. So Right.
2: perfect. Yeah. yeah, so Mark and I originally got linked up through the vast network of um unvaccinated service members, you know, fighting these unlawful mandates. And um, you know, on that note, you know, we're both active duty, so give my disclaimer. I think I do it every time. I think it should be clear at this point that I'm not speaking for the DOD or the army. Yeah. Um, you know. I'll so, put it in
0: the description box.
2: Yeah, there we go. Um but yeah, uh, so Mark's one of the folks that have been more active, and I, I know he, he has a long commute, so every once in a while I get hit up and we get to chat uh, during his commute, which is always uh, always good fun and a uh, good conversation. Um, you know, I know he's got a passion for uh, freedom and liberty the same way I do. I know he's a big settlers of a Catan fan, so we haven't mm-hmm. been able to get together in real life in order to play Catan, but I'm looking forward to doing that at some point. And then the other thing I know is uh, you're uh, a Naval Academy guy, right? And um, a
1: currently lieutenant commander. Yeah. Um, yep. If I'm not mistaken. So, um, uh, hang, hang on, I'll do my disclaimer that way we can talk. Yeah, so, uh, I don't speak for the DOD, the DON. Um, my opinions are my own and all of the other things that go along with that. I feel like I've heard it a million times, but I couldn't say it for a million dollars. Right. Yeah, so um
2: that's I'll I'll just leave it at that and turn it over to to you, Mark. Um because I'd be really I kind of want to I'd like to start from a you know ground zero, you know, but like your your background, your childhood, what made you decide to um, you know, be motivated to go to the Naval Academy. Because I know going to one of the service academies is is no joke. It's not like something you can just stumble into. You know, you need some serious letters of recommendation. You have a seriously impressive academic record. Um, So you have to be motivated in order to end up there. So I'm curious as to what kind of forces conspired to motivate you to
1: want to take that path in life. Well, uh, gosh. Grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh, one of the one of the people actually from here joined the Navy. Um, my dad was a career career naval officer. He enlisted in 1974 uh, against his parents' better wishes. Um, ended up in Virginia Beach area and kind of stuck around ever since. Um, so yeah, he, he did spend 32 years in, eventually got a commission as a warrant officer in the Navy, and that's a little bit different from a warrant officer in the Army uh, in some respects. As as far as I know, for the Navy, you have to be at least a chief, so an E-7, and you have to have a certain amount of time in. So uh, generally, warrant officers tend to be technically proficient, extraordinary technical liaisons uh, between the, the enlisted community and the wardroom and uh i watched him go from ship to ship to ship growing up um it looked like fun you know our bedtime stories growing up were sea stories right this is me uh, this is me in front of a pyramid hey dad how do i go get in front of a pyramid well you got to join the navy and get on a ship oh okay yeah let's do that um and then uh went through through school um and I can remember vivid as day. Uh, they said, "Where do you want to go to? Where do you want to go to college?" I said, "I'm going to go to the Naval Academy." And they go, "Well, you're not particularly athletic, and your grades are okay. That might be a long road. You're going to have to, you know, bone up on that stuff." So went through high school, ended up doing all the varsity sports, got got in shape, got good grades, got to the end of high school, and they said, "Well." you know, you're not, and this was 2004. So the, the, some of the, some of the things like the set of, the, the, the big thing, then we were calling them the set asides, right? Are you a minority? Are you a athlete? Are you a, uh, do you have a dad moral, Right. That's, Someone whose dad, dad is yeah. ad, dad's an yeah. admiral, right? It, made, right? it made sense at the time. Uh, blue chip athletes, that kind of thing. I, I didn't have any of that. I ended up getting picked up by the U.S. Naval Academy Foundation, which is a uh, charitable organization that sponsors students from around the country to do effectively 13th grade. So you can go to several schools um, they have a list. I picked one. It was, uh, called Northwestern Preparatory School out in Crestline, California, out towards Lake Arrowhead, Big Bear area. Um, just North of the Inland Empire there. <laughs> Did that for six months, a semester came back to Virginia beach area, went to community college and then ended up at the Naval Academy. Um, and at the Naval Academy, it, it, it may be similar for everywhere, but they give you a stack of papers. I mean, it, it must have been this thick, right? Um, here, sign this, sign this, sign this, sign this. They said uh, one of them at, towards probably the bottom said, when you graduate, you'll do what you're told. Uh, we'll, we'll take your considerations uh, into we'll we'll take your your preferences into consideration but ultimately this is the navy and you'll do what you're told said okay sounds good you sign everything and uh, fast forward to my senior year i was going to be a ship driver just like you know i was going to i was going to be a surface warfare officer um, i knew that kind of going in i didn't really want to be a pilot they had a big commitment i still wasn't marine material and and i'm certainly not a not a spec ops type. It's just, it's not, not me. Um, but I was still pretty bent on going to Egypt and seeing a pyramid (laughs) pyramid. So that's, uh, I decided to drive ships. And so Halloween comes by. Uh, I remember it clear again, clear as day. It's just so vivid. My master chief, the senior enlisted advisor for our, our company came in. She goes, uh, Hey, Mr. Zito, I need to see you in my office. And I'm thinking, that's chief. It's 8:30 at night. What are you still doing here? And she goes, no, I, I need to see. It's really important. So I come in, I sit down and she goes, you want the good news or the bad news? And I said, well, hit me with the good news. And she goes, it's not submarines. Um, and that's uh, that's, that's Navy speak for, Oh, you just got nuke drafted. Uh, you're going to go, you're going to go to power school and prototype. I said, this is some kind of cruel joke because I'm a history major and my grades still aren't all that great. Uh, She goes, oh no, this is for you. So um, before I knew it, I was, you know, they were sending me to nuclear power school. I went to my ship. I went to power school prototype. um, Ended up on an aircraft carrier. Uh, Tell you what, man, just the adventure continues, right? But this was in 2000. 10 2011. No graduate 2009 first ship 2009 uh, two years got qualified surface warfare. Uh, it's kind of like the, a ship driver getting their pilot wings. we call them water wings affectionately sometimes but and then, yeah um, and that's that's kind of how the whole career got started and now um, and then <laughs> then they changed the terms of employment. Uh, at some point in 21, they said, go get a, go get a vaccine. And I said, <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Uh, not doing it. Um, and just kind of rode the wave. Um, incidentally, I went to, went to school with some of the other people that are in the crew, like uh, Rob. Rob Green and I went to college together. I've known him for a long, long time. Um, and then a couple of the other guys, uh, we served together over the years. Right
2: on. So um so you were surface warfare first and then um you know just because of navy requirements they needed more uh nuclear officers and so you just got hey you and tag uh, with it.
1: All right. Yes. So all all of the nuclear officers on an aircraft carrier are surface warfare officers. Um, my intention was to be a surface warfare officer. I didn't want anything to do with the nuclear community. <laughs> and, uh, when they look at the numbers and they say, well, we need more of you. And, uh, I said, well, okay, I don't want to do it. And they said, well, remember you signed this piece of paper. And I said, well, then I guess I have to try. And it's it, a- oh. what, what's that?
0: Sorry, <clears throat> so it's probably comparable to like an 11 x contract uh between if you're going to become infantry or an 11 bravo or a mortarman. it sounds like uh kind of same same aspect but navy side a lot bigger guns and whatnot but sounds like they need to fill numbers they're both the the same thing fulfill the same job criteria but when they need more in a over on that side, then they, you know, they close the gate, they close the gates and send people over. Is that, that's what you mean? It's
1: sort of similar. What they do is they say, all right, uh, we need more surface or we need more nukes, right? So either submarines or surface. And then they say, um, well, this is a terrible job. So we're going to try to pay you off. And then when that doesn't work, they say, well, you have grades and you went to the Naval Academy So we know you're qualified to go, right? So what was happening about 50, 60 years ago, and it was rolling back real far, but uh, they weren't, or Admiral Rickover, father of Navy nuclear power, um, decided that everybody who went to the Naval Academy would be minimally qualified to go to nuclear power school. And that way they could make sure that they got a third of their nuclear officers from the Naval Academy. And that's how everyone who goes takes three semesters of calculus, a semester of at least probability and statistics or diff Everyone takes thermodynamics. Everyone takes hydrostatics. Uh, everyone takes a couple semesters of electrical engineering and chemistry uh, on top. So we we have, we have effectively minors and minors in engineering general engineering and that's how that's how you they are able to just say hey you're the guy you're our guy you're so brave talented and good looking (laughs) you're going to power school
0: yeah it it makes sense i get what you're saying yeah my next question
2: is what what is it about that job that's not desirable because you say it's like there's a consensus that um, it's not a desirable job, and it's really hard to get numbers for it. Um, what is it about that job that um, that makes it not something that people compete for? Is that quite the
1: opposite? Quite, quite, quite the opposite. Uh, I think so. So I don't don't hear that I'm poo pooing the job. For some people, I, it's I absolutely I just, I, perfect. But, like that's not the not the goal. The yeah. the difficulty is the margin for error is so radically slim that the that it it increases the stress levels to the point where someone will just say, "I, I just can't." Or
0: you could get canceled uh, for nothing, essentially.
1: <laughs> uh, honest. Honest to goodness, right? So, so you know, as a plug for Navy nuclear power, I can't, it's, it's it's a, we park our ships in some of the coolest places on the planet, right? I've been stationed in San Diego. I've been stationed in Tokyo Bay at Yokosuka, uh, Yokosuka Naval Station, all right, in Japan. Uh, Hawaii, right there in, I mean, right there in uh, uh, Pearl Harbor, uh, Guam, beautiful tropical places, right? Um, well, let's pretend something were to go wrong on on a nuclear on an American nuclear powered vessel. Next thing you know, your home ported Aleutian Islands. Right. It's a it's a horrific PR scenario. So right. the yeah. standard is so high. And also we police ourselves. Um, Naval Reactors is its own nuclear regulatory commission. Right. The five-star in front of, and the five-star or sorry, four-star, gosh, four, five star. The four star in front of Nav C08, uh, who runs Naval Reactors, is also a uh uh undersecretary or deputy undersecretary of the department of energy. So, so the stakes are so high. All right. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect on a submarine, at least is there's, you're limited on manpower. So if you're assigned to a submarine, it's like being married to two women at once, right? One of them doesn't understand the other ones are, you know, raging, <laughs> raging angry women. And, and sometimes they just trade places and you can't really tell which one's which, Right, You know, it's, it's similar being on an aircraft carrier. If there's work to be done, there's no one, no one, no helps coming. You're it, you know? So when I was on the carrier, I was pushing at least 90 or hundred hours a week. And that's, that's peer side.
0: So, so high speed, high drag, high stress, high maintenance, pretty much.
1: Everything all at once. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they feed you mush. Right, especially on a submarine. Hey, we're out of food, but you're up. Right, right. Yeah. So no one, no, no one wants the job. Um, I think we we started my year group with uh, over, at least over a hundred um, nuclear surface officers, and year group oh nine. So it's it's been a almost a short fourteen years. We're down to fourteen.
0: And it's probably only getting worse. I can only imagine like the, how many people are rushing to join the military at this point right now. So regardless of whether it's like the enlisted side or the officer side or army, Navy, you know, whatever, I can imagine those numbers are only dwindling, you know, more and more,
2: or Mm -hmm. at least,
0: at least of the good type of people that you would want filling those positions,
2: you know? Well, with, with that training and that experience, are there issues with retention? Um, not only because the job is hard, but because there are uh, civilian equivalent positions that um, are are high paying, less stress, et cetera.
1: Extraordinary issues with retention. And that is, that's one of the driver's grant. Um, so on the enlisted side, when somebody... Somebody does. Two, they sign up for a six-year contract. Um, at the two-year point, they let you what's called star reenlist, and that's where whatever rank you are, they give you, uh, they bump you up to second class. So E5 instantly E5 at two years, and then they tr- they pay you anywhere between fifty and one hundred thousand dollars, depending on what your what your uh, position is in the plant. And that's for another six years. So at the two-year point of your six-year contract, you get to sign up for another six years for a total of eight years where they bump you up to E5 and they pay you a whole gob of money and they still can't get kids to do it. Right.
0: You mean in the form of, you mean in the form of bonuses, obviously not like annual pay, but bonuses bonus
1: yeah right that's that's a bonus the money's even better on the officer side and they still can't do it right um so all of
0: the officers actually get bonuses on in the navy
1: they get more because they so, don't in
0: the army right so Greg?
2: well it depends on the profession right so if there's professions where there's critical need and it's hard to um retain uh officers then there's yeah. definitely um uh, retention bonuses associated with those specific MLSs. Uh to use medical in my field as an example physical therapists don't get re- retention bonuses because uh physical therapists tend to really like being physical therapists in the military so like they stay in their career so, yeah. yeah so physical therapists once they join like we're not hurting for physical therapists because every year like a hundred people apply and only like 20 people get direct commissioned. Every um
0: every officer I had ever met in the army says that that officers aren't entitled well, f- f- to yeah, bonuses, physicians,
2: so. physicians, physicians' assistants, oh they're, uh, yeah, they're completely different where so, they get paid way more on the civilian side. So they're really difficult to hold on to. It's yeah. good
1: that you're both sitting down, um, because for one extra, for one year of work, if I were to sign a contract, the smallest contract I could sign for three years, I can sign up for seven. Each year is an extra $45,000 a year annually.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And because I'm a surface warfare officer, it'd be another 75,000 years or sorry, 75,000 years. feels like, like damn, it. that's a contract 000. you want to sign? Yeah, <laughs> no. So, so for three years, effectively, it's $181,000 extra.
0: Right. That's great. And, and does that, and they, okay.
1: they still can't do it.
0: So for the army, um, so like, let's say you initially sign a, uh, a four year contract and your reenlistment window opens, uh, one at, when you're at three years in and you reenlist for another three years, you're really only adding on two more years onto your contract because you still had one year remaining at the time of, of, re-enlisting or recommissioning or whatever does that does that work out the same way with you guys or does it go off from your actual uh exit service date or whatever whatever the original date was supposed to be plus three years or whenever you uh agreed to do some more and then whatever was remaining you know added I,
1: in there well because That's... i because i told them hard no yeah uh, i didn't look that hard yeah. But I think the way it was supposed to work out for me is, uh, they would have let me once my window opened up, which was about six months out, they would have let me re-sign the next contract. Right. And it would have just started right there.
0: Right. That's, that's what I always liked about the army. Cause you know, you could ultimately like, especially when the windows were opening up a lot sooner than like 12 months out when it was at like 24 months or 18, 24 months, I could be, uh, you know, two years out from the end of my contract, re enlist for six years to get the bigger bonus. But really, I'm only adding on four years to what mm-hmm. I was originally supposed to get out at, if that makes sense. I mean, it's still, it's all, it all it, sucks at the end of the day. But
1: it, yeah, it, it does. So for officers, I think this is officers uh, in general, Grant. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, um, you serve at the will of the president or at the pleasure of the president and until you actively resign your commission right. they're just going to keep cutting you orders
2: okay so yeah, there absolutely. there is you no... have to submit yeah you have to submit an unquote oh yeah that's right
0: that's right yep
2: and you and you can't do that well you can do that if you have a service obligation but yeah. you know there's money usually associated with these service obligations and it also changes how likely they are to let you resign. So when they were cutting back on officers around 2014, they had officer separation boards. Um, and during that timeframe, there were people with additional uh, uh, active duty service obligations or what we, you know, an ad. So for sure mm-hmm. um, right. that they were letting go because they were trying to get rid of people anyway, you know, people that say right. had loan repayment, you know, for some tens of thousands of dollars. And they said, you know what? I'm going to submit my unqualified resignation. A lot of those requests were approved. And a lot of those monies were not recouped because they wanted to get rid of officers because it was cheaper to um, not pay them because they were kind of downsizing as the global war on terror was, uh, you know, uh, becoming more and more constrained. Right. Um, What I'm curious about, and since this is the generation leadership, um and we let's talk a little bit about leadership, I'd be really curious, Mark, with um that you know austere environment being on a ship, like you said, you know, there's a job to do, there's nobody else to do it. Um, i'd be I'd love to hear some you know anecdotes, some some,
3: some best ship stories
2: lessons learned, yeah, some ship stories pertaining to leadership and the challenges that you face in that environment. Um, especially since everybody's having to work so hard and and put in tons of hours, um, is is that something that you could speak to? Is there anything and, that comes to mind?
0: and be and before that as well, or to add in, um, if you could add in like the longest amount of time that you've been out at sea because you know, I think once you start talking about isolation and whatnot, you're really talking about crushing morale of people. People not wanting to do stuff. People not wanting to work. People just missing home. And that's where the mm. real—that's where the real, true leadership, you know, uh, ability comes in. At is when you have people shutting down, not wanting to do anything, you know. So I just wanted to add that in there because I am curious, what's the longest you spent out? Yeah,
1: the longest I've been out to sea, maybe about forty days. Okay. I haven't done any crazy stretches of no Liberty.
0: Right. Right. Is that something that's just not a, like a big thing in your field then? It,
1: no, 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 no. It happens. I've just been fortunate. Okay. On a, gotcha. a, a, like That is, that is strictly dumb luck. Gotcha. Um, one of my classmates, he was, uh, he went on deployment and I think they left in like February of 20. Uh, and they went from Norfolk to Rhoda. Uh, rotas in Spain. Um, they had a brief stop for fuel, brief stop for provision, and when they left the pier in Rhoda, they did not pull back into land for 215 days.
3: Right. Wow. It's um, a long time.
1: And that time was that sea. was that was over 2020. Yeah. And that was imagine. in order to protect them from the most dangerous virus to ever uh, ever ever you know plague humanity.
0: Worse than the Black
1: Plague. <laughs> way worse. All right. So uh, for me, I think, well, the things that really boost morale or can pump morale are going to be things like uh, regular mail hits. Right? It turns out Amazon does deliver to the ship. Yeah. Just the craziest thing, right? Yep. Um, so Amazon will deliver. Uh, we've gone about 30 ish, 35 days without a mail hit before. And what they do is when you're out to sea, they get two ships and they call it uh, replenishment at sea or a RAS. and it's all, you could YouTube it. It's actually kind of neat, but they take the two ships and you pull up alongside the, uh, a container ship or not a container ship, like a, a cargo ship, right? It's got fuel on it, tanker. And they'll pass a million gallons of fuel. Uh, they'll uh, they'll pass um, food, so dry stores, refrigerated stores, and frozen stores. That's where all the ship's work stops. They and everybody, no matter what they're doing, is unpacking pallets.
0: That's the PX run right there, pretty much.
1: That's that's it, right? Yeah. And and all sorts of goodies come across. Um, Uh, everything from ice cream and frozen pizza and chicken wings to uh, stuff for the ship store. So things like time to take the puppy out, Um, things like uh, cigarettes and toothpaste um, and then repair parts for the ship. Right. So on my first ship, when I was an ensign, I was on the, uh, I was on the email distro, when a log of Copenhagen came over, came over the wire. Oh, that's a big deal. That's a that's a huge deal for morale, right? Yeah. Uh, when email goes down, morale tanks hard. Um, so leadership out to see. I think the the way you kind of, or the way I would deal with when the days got real, just got long and got difficult. I would, uh, usually hit the rower, spend a lot of time on the rowing machine. Um, they they do have weight rooms on board, but they're either way too small or way, way too crowded. And a small crowded weight room is just, it's, it's not fun at all. So, uh, I had a kettlebell and a pair of, um, lifting gloves, Right. And the lifting gloves weren't to actually lift anything, but if you've been on a ship before, any of the out any, any of the weather deck spaces or the outside spaces have um, it's called non-skid, and it's it's pretty much designed to take the skin off of everything you own. Uh, so having having a set of weight gloves and a deck of cards and a jump rope and a kettlebell, and you know just how, how brutal can you make this for yourself because you've got all the time. Where are you going to go, right? You're not going anywhere. Um, other, other stuff that I found helps is just taking care of your team, right? Real. Try Real. to pr- protect them from the stupid, uh, especially on an aircraft carrier, you know, where you have the reactor department is its own department. Uh, there's about 400 people people, men and women there, and it's it's a long it's a long road because you're a ship inside of a ship and when the aircraft carrier wants to do something, maybe reactor can play or maybe they can't, uh, just depending on the schedule. So keep shielding your team from from the crazy. Um, also, uh, yeah, the best movie, uh, the two best movies about what life on board a ship is like. Uh, it's an old one. Um, Mr. Roberts with uh, Jack Lemon. And that's old World War II era movie. But then uh, Down Periscope. If you've ever seen Down Periscope, like that is... Yeah, I have. It's classic there is that's the kind of brotherhood and camaraderie it's that's that's kind of that's what we got also uh reading i i kid that the navy taught me how to read um i knew how to read before i got there i didn't really read for fun you know when you can when you can go through like game of thrones and stormlight archive cover to cover uh I mean, that's thousands on thousands of pages and the Donald- Yeah, we're
2: both yeah we're both uh sanderson fans right very
1: much so um yeah
2: rodney you ever you ever heard of brandon sanderson i he's have a, not yeah he's a novelist he's uh, uh we we won't go down that rabbit hole for now because it's it, it's pretty deep but uh that's you know high high fantasy type oh, stuff my, very, oh, very, my alley. good i think you'd like it
1: yeah all right they're basically um, stories that never end. Yeah, like right. there there's no end to these like the wheel of time, same idea. So right. so just getting into the routine is how you pass the past the long days. Get into your routine.
0: That uh that that brotherhood and that camaraderie uh that you spoke of and I I seen a glimmer in your eye when you spoke of it. Um and I think we can all relate back to you know, the good times in the army and that brotherhood and that camaraderie, uh, you know, how did that, how did that turn you into the leader that you are today um, with the leadership style that you have today? And, you know, what obstacles have you faced? Maybe I'm assuming that maybe you had some superiors that, Especially now after rejecting the COVID vaccine, but maybe they, you know, didn't like your leadership style, or you know, what whatever, or conflictions maybe that you had gone through where you know you're trying to appease the boss, but you got your team to look out for, you know, that type of stuff. Um hey,
1: so full full disclosure, I probably should never join the navy, um, just with with my my natural tendencies with leadership are just not not really in line with a lot of the company stuff. Uh, so I feel that. with with the with the the navy, it's always ship shipmate self ship shipmate self ship shipmate self, right? Well, uh, and, and then mission 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 mission. And so if you've got something at home that you got to take care of, and you're married to this ship what do you, you got it you, you've got these two obligations and and it's it's a it's a naturally disordered lifestyle or isn't it inherently disordered lifestyle go ahead
0: that so i, I kind of want to elaborate on that ship ship mate cell thing because we're going to have a viewing audience that that doesn't isn't familiar with the military oh, okay. okay right so I, i'm assuming you know the first ship is the navy as a whole second ship is the the ship that you're on or the troop that you're in or whatever you got fleets maybe whatever you guys uh call it i'm not familiar with Uh, let
1: let, let me hop in because i think i see where you're going with this and i can explain i don't want to i don't want to double explain i got you. yeah so ship the first ship when i say ship that means the mission okay okay -hmm. whatever that mission is the mission is to Go rescue Gilligan. It's gotta get done. The, you know, the if the mission is um, the ship needs to be painted, right? A large metal object floating in an electrolytic solution. It does rust. Needs you gotta take care of the ship. Right. Uh, shipmate. So that's a it it, it could be used kind of double-edged. So
0: you're saying shipmate i got you not shipmate. ship 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 comma no. ship comma mate and then sell no doctor. shipmate. Okay. so
1: yeah. uh shipmate can be if you are walking down the walking down the sidewalk or through the ship and need a haircut you know there might be uh it you know, just sailor needs a haircut you say hey shipmate and that's a that's a term of uh right command that's hand. that's yeah. command hand yeah right. knife hand right um or if or if someone's like hey man hey shipmate come alongside i'm trying to right. i'm trying to help you out
0: battle buddy a- yeah, as the army time. would use yeah
1: yep that mm-hmm. probably similar there yep. um you know so so do what needs to be done for the mission make sure your your teammates are whole enough not whole, whole enough mm-hmm. to get through the mission. And then you can take care of yourself.
0: Right. So this is 14 years of putting yourself last. I just want to like make everybody realize, uh, you know, the significance of it when you are in the, the military. And if you are a good leader, you are sacrificing yourself every single day for, for your guys and for what's right. But sometimes the people above you, try to tell you something that's right that's wrong and you run into conflictions so
1: right yeah. and and then I learned pretty early on that uh, if I didn't at least attempt to work out regularly and sleep enough, uh, I would gain a ton of weight and mm-hmm. and lose a ton of energy and just not be efficient at completing the other missions. Um, so I was a worse person. Uh, I knew I would be not as efficient. And so I would actually tell my sailors, like, listen, guys, get your sleep. Mm-hmm. Like the sh- if, you aren't, if you aren't operating at the top of your capability and you're not doing what you can to get to that point, then how are you supposed to fill the first mission of ship? right? right. How, how are you supposed to be the best version of yourself or at least enough of aversion to yourself. If cool, you can get everything done, but you're going to go cry yourself to sleep every night.
0: Right. And then be you mentally know. unhealthy or, you know, whatever. And then, which also it's, takes away from reading. Exactly. And, exactly.
1: Yeah. My, my sailors are useless to me if they end up, uh, you know, at medical for mental, mental health issues. Right. You know, so I, I would, I would view that as my, my prerogative was to try to keep my sailors as healthy as possible. Right. So I, I would, I would view that keep myself, keeping myself and my sailors as healthy as possible in order to meet the mission. Right. Right. I saw that as mission. Number one mission, you know, keep the sailors healthy enough to do the mission and then you can help your sailors and you help yourself. Right. Um, but even even the disorder of the concept of being a, a, a military man or woman, um, putting, putting those jobs in front of yourself or putting, putting your country and your your mission in front of your calling and vocation as a husband father, yeah. mm-hmm. right? That's disordered. Yeah. Right. And they're asking you to be disordered. So there's the the balance that I mean, these these men and women all over the country are having to having to struggle with. So
0: so the 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 military as a whole is going to is going to teach it, teach this ideology like it's linear, like it's a list instead of circular, you know, uh, ship shipmate self mission you know so mm-hmm. at, at a certain point you are taking care of yourself before the mission before others right but that that ideology will be spun and, and it'll just be you know linear a uh, start and stop where you're putting yourself last every step of the way you know so well yeah, uh, it was only and so because
1: simple. i never did that yeah uh it was because i never put myself last mm because i i would kind of run this circle right uh it it just it it complicated it yeah The yeah, it's a, but
2: what, it's but it seems so obvious that that that's what should be done you know like sleep isn't a luxury you know oh, you, you sleep the, when you're dead grant that's yeah, how the, no i mean that's I, how the army exactly it right exactly that's the, how how the army but You know, that's, that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about holistic health and fitness that it has a category of sleep, but, uh, culturally, you know, it's just, it's very difficult to communicate, but you know, sleep isn't a luxury getting your sleep. Isn't putting yourself first, Mm -hmm. like really it's another way of putting the mission first. Like that's, that's a requirement for performance, you know? Fitness, nutrition, sleep, all mm -hmm. of these things are things that you have to do to be worth a damn. Otherwise, um, people don't realize how cognitively impaired they are uh, when they're in a chronic sleep debt until they they stop it and then they look back in retrospect and it's like, you know, your IQ drops like crazy. You're just, you're, you're worthless. And the degree of stupidity you know, a lot of the chicken shit of military life, I think, is tied to this. It's yeah. tied to this inability to look at something like this, which is a it's a good notion. Cause when I when I like ship shipmate self, if you look at that with nuance or look at it as a as a circle, or even just the nuance to understand that like getting your sleep isn't the same as um, you know, putting yourself on your first bunk and putting right. solitaire exactly or something. You know, it, those are two, or like sitting and watching movies or like yeah. playing games on your phone or whatever. The, the,
1: those are, but it's the, it's, it's sleep, but it's also the recreation.
2: Yeah. Well, well right? it's, yeah. But the difference it, is. Absolutely. With, yeah. The yeah. difference is. It's all, is... it's all, it's all a part of it and, and weighing it as to what's exactly appropriate. There's a lot of nuance to that. And I think that's one of the most valuable functions of leadership. Is to help set the standard for what the appropriate balance is to you know especially on the officer side where it's like you're supposed to be the big brains, right? like that's a complicated question. how much time do we do we want to do we need to dedicate to recreation? I mean it depends on what morale's like you know yeah. it's like you should have the ability to sense that and set the standard and provide recommendations and tune that system and Command. tune your team in order to accomplish the mission. And this rigid idea that there's only one right way to do it, and it's this linear thing, um, I think that the people that think like that, uh, they need to sleep more. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's what's it, going on.
1: So so the Navy's commissioned studies on this. We've got volumes on volumes of how important. And they try to get the uh, – a couple years ago, we had the circadian rhythm uh, sleep cycle – push where uh naval postgraduate school out in monterey had a pamphlet that they sent a little booklet that they sent out to all the all the ships and they said set up your set up your schedules like this and that way you know they yeah. get, people get sleep and this is optimum for everyone's circadian rhythm and we tried it and it worked if you were alone right Right. So if you're, if, you know, we were, we were just a destroyer out in the middle of the Atlantic ocean doing our thing. No one was around us. We were mostly the masters of our own own destiny program worked beautifully, but it's when you add in the, the exercises and the operational stuff that you really can't control. And so now we're all on this optimum sleep schedule of, oh, you have two six-hour chunks a day where you get to sleep. But one of them is just completely overshadowed by some drill. And the other one, oh, you just got off watch and You're supposed to go to sleep, but you have to debrief the watch on the VTC that doesn't work. The video teleconference that doesn't work because you're on a ship and you're sharing this 144 modem with you know 300 of your best friends right. on top of whatever the carriers got, uh, and the whole whole thing just fell apart. You know we, when when sailors don't sleep, and unfortunately, we had a couple of couple of serious serious uh, events happen. I think it was 2017, 2016, 2017 out in Japan where we had ships colliding you know ships having collision, collisions at sea, and then we had another ship who was at anchor and grounded. Um, and And the dirty little secret uh, is that they these were sleep deprived. these exactly the yeah. dirty little secret and and I don't know how much how prominent it is in any of the paperwork or the reports, but these 22, 23, 24 year olds who are just barely on the other side of developed are starving themselves asleep to try to try to keep their ship
0: literally afloat. Right. So, so keeping yourself mentally healthy and physically strong. I remember in basic training, the drill sergeants would always tell us uh, if you're physically fit, you're mentally strong, you know? Um, and just, it, it, it is a big, the whole like mind over matter and whatnot, or mind over body. Uh, mm-hmm. your body or your mind will give up on you way faster than your body will uh um and it is important to recognize those uh you know those breaking moments I guess uh where where you need to like take a break and sit down and cut yourself out or whatever ask for help you know maybe you're not just gonna be selfish and go you know lay down in your bunk but you're going maybe you were the person that, is so used to working by themselves, but now you're going to reach out and ask for help or something just to reduce that load on your mind. And and I think like when it comes to taking care of soldiers and recognizing or, or, uh, um, sailors or whatever, recognizing that one soldier that you're always putting the workload on and then trying to like distribute it amongst the other ones. Mm -hmm. Um, you but know, we, we have
1: a program in the navy it's called hookups for fups. so if you have a sailor who is like you're saying rodney uh, if you have a sailor who's a number one right they they are just talented they have a ton of bandwidth uh capacity yeah. and everything else you give them more work yeah and then if you have a sailor who's not you know, you, you, you try to, like, keep them from, them. <laughs> yeah. you keep, the, you just keep them from taking points off your board.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, do everything you can to keep them from, you know, sinking, sinking your, your little fiefdom there, your, whatever you got going on. Um, now the, the real issue come, the other, other layer to this is we don't have an infinite workforce on board. Right, okay, so you hey, I'm tired, you're tired. we both need a break, but someone's gonna have to bite it, right? like everyone gets a bite of the sandwich, dude. And, and yeah. this
2: is yeah, this makes me want to focus in on uh, the thing that you said that I think is really key, which is op tempo mm-hmm. you know and and this comes down to the strategic issue why when we're talking about recruiting and retention and problems <laughs> with that, and our national security strategy and what our federal government wants to, wants our military to be able to do, uh, our military doesn't have the capacity to do those things, frankly. And so it's going to create this situation for operational tempo that is not sustainable. And that has a, that has feedback on recruiting and retention. You know, for mm-hmm. the exact things that you said where people they can't hold on to people, no matter how many bonuses they push, for some of these critical positions,
0: I think that's and so,
2: yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I I don't know. It's that's impossible to say. Right? I I, the, I don't the, speak for the know.
1: DOD or DON. My opinions are my own. Uh, and and I I believe that you know the op tempo is is significant, right? I grew up, so so. An, an addition to this is I grew up in the Navy. I watched people do this. The Clinton years were some really good years for the service, right? Right. My dad would go out to sea. He'd spent six months out to sea. They'd have a port hit every two to three weeks and it'd be in the med. Right. The Mediterranean sea. Yeah, it was good. And then nine 11, 2001. Now we're, or I mean, coal in October of 2000 happened Uh, Liberty got a little worse uh you know anti-terror force protection came in and that adds another another mission to your already stretched workforce uh 2001 9-11 happens and now we're at war and now you're going to go to sea you're not going to be gone for just six you might be gone for eight nine months and your port hits are going to be ducomo uh and Dubai and Bahrain and maybe Naples and Hanya, uh, sorry, Crete, Suda Bay, Crete um, and Rhoda. You know, so instead of going to the cool places where you want to go, you're going to go to little industrial facilities, right? All all over the, you know, all over the the all over the world, and it's it's not as fun. So you're losing. Your retention, your ability to pull people in, the sense of adventure is kind of dwindling a little bit there too. It's it's not an easy life, um, and at this point, I, I I could not possibly recommend anyone joining Join them. joining yeah. the service at this point.
0: It's, For real, I say the same thing. But but you just you just said something uh, that we have asked uh, everybody that we've talked to so far, including. Uh, each other when we've talked uh you know is there a is there a point in time for you where you noticed everything changed uh let's say okay so 2004 you joined right uh you graduated in 2008 you said
1: no Uh, i uh i went to i joined officially in june of 2005, 2005 went to the naval academy yep um
0: and then officially commissioned when
1: May of 2009.
0: May of 2009 and then you're on the job. You are mm-hmm. in the Navy. Now explain, you know, the how you felt about it at first, what your first take on it was, how you were liking or not liking it. Maybe some of the things that you were disliking, but maybe it was just, you know, just little minor BS. And then uh if there was a time um during your 14 years, besides 2020, unless it was 2020, um, where everything changed?
1: I think if I had to say the the point where it kind of just, you know, the, the 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 go, no go, uh, where things started to change the most, I would say is, uh, was it 2011, 2012 with Don't Ask, Don't Tell? I, I say... I, I I would say 2012 as well. So I would say that's when it changed dramatically. Cause I think in society uh, we were already relatively open to the idea of, of homosexuality, Mm -hmm. right. Morals aside, uh, which I realize you can't really put morals aside, but you know, I,
0: we recognize that it is what it is and it's going to happen. And it's just part of society now. You might, you might not agree with it.
1: So, so when that happened, right, we had a guy on the ship. This was pre don't ask, don't tell. And everyone knew him as peaches and everyone knew what peaches was about. It wasn't a thing. It wasn't, it it just, it wasn't a thing. Uh, Don't ask, don't tell comes around. All right, cool. Nothing changed. Uh, You still aren't allowed to have relationships at work like that in your chain of command. So
0: realistically,
1: nothing really changed at that point, except the messaging of this is now what we're
0: allowing. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, Fast forward. I think it was 2015 with the transgender stuff. Um, So someone you know someone can't take Xanax to take the edge off for their anxiety right but they can take hormones to make themselves think act look like someone of the opposite gender
0: or they can take their penis off to take the edge off anxiety
1: that's <laughs> the, that's completely their prerogative you know what i mean like uh, well so so these things very much changed the dynamic and so it wasn't necessarily the policy i get it the, mm-hmm. it's say the same same thing with don't ask don't tell this is happening there's nothing i can really do about it my feelings aside don't really matter like right. no one no one came and a, no one came and pulled lieutenant zito at the time asking for my opinion right i would have given it to them gladly but no one did uh the problem was actually with the training okay do you remember those training the trainings that came out about the the transgender policies
2: i think they were different in each branch of service so um oh. we definitely got trainings in the army yeah okay. i don't know if they were do exactly you remember the them you
1: being the do you remember them being particularly well produced um i
0: don't remember not for us them. i remember it's just uh it was powerpoint slides yeah okay. it's always powerpoint slides for us
1: so we had a whole video. We're gonna watch the video. We're gonna have train the trainers. Uh, I'm and, gonna see
0: if I can find it, and I'll insert it into the section right here after you talk about it, so people can see it.
1: It was fantastic, right. well produced. At the end of the training, they're like, "All right, does anyone have any questions?" And there was no way, like they, it was a, it was the most airtight, well done training i think the navy has ever produced before since hands I, down
0: far and away are you being sarcastic right now or are you being no, serious no no okay. i in, in absolute... Well, an absolute I, I had a window pulled of, up so i couldn't i couldn't yeah, see your the amount of interest in
2: and in resources that have that have gone into it and so we were mm-hmm. just talking about op tempo and so I'll, I'll try and like steel man this real quick um Because I know that people hear this kind of thing and they immediately, uh, especially, you know, on the on the other side of uh, the class divide and the culture war, immediately jump to bigotry. Um, I am. Okay, no, you know, we have uh, an issue with op tempo causing unavoidable negative impacts to readiness on the human side in terms of human performance. People not able to sleep enough, take care of you know nutritional and uh, fitness requirements, etc. Okay, um, those operational that that off tempo is something that could be influenced politically. Like there's not a hard and fast rule that our national security strategy has to be what it is, or that what we're doing necessarily contributes to the security of the American people or supports and defends the Constitution of the United States. Like that's all. Uh, I think all should be up for discussion and not just taken as an a priori truth. Um, So now we get into, um, you know, the transgender thing, which uh, creates different incentives. Um, So like you said, certain mental health conditions um, are disqualifying uh, and they result in separation of service. And that involves the prescription of certain medications, like Xanax is one of them. How is it, how is this not a different, how is this a different issue when we're talking about gender dysphoria, which is a a behavioral health condition? Mm -hmm. Um, how, how is it different? Because there are readiness considerations associated with that in terms of the amount of time that it takes, uh, the recovery from like a penile inversion, uh, vaginoplasty is considerable. Um, and, you know, there's a period of time where we were Transitioning people out if they rupture their ACLs because the uh, recovery time for that. Right. So, like, these are things that aren't being discussed at all. It's just being glossed over, like, hey, this is like, there's no impact on readiness. This is about having the best people, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And there are totally reasonable arguments to be made that uh, have to do with the impact on readiness. And that's not even getting into the incentives. That signal, hey, like these are very expensive surgeries that uh, not all insurance programs cover. Uh, And now you're sending a massive signal across the American public that um, the United States military covers this. Mm. It covers this. And so if you are a teenager with gender dysphoria, but it hasn't been diagnosed, or even if it has been, and you don't report that candidly on your intake questionnaires, Um, you know, you go do basic AIT, you show up at your unit and you go to your, you know, primary care provider and you go, Hey, you know, I have these, I have these issues and these concerns and it is still considered elective, but it's something that complicates all, all kinds of care. It's, it's a, it's a further wrinkle in, in treatment. So just from a physical therapy standpoint, you know, if I have a patient that is considering transitioning, uh, male to female. And, you know, my perspective on physical therapy is a lot of the stuff like, uh, an anabolic response is a lot of the solution. Optimal loading, you load tissue that creates positive changes that make those tissues more resilient and, uh, uh, you know, rehabilitates them to prevent future injury. Well, what, uh, you know, testosterone is a very anabolic hormone. It's very helpful to that process. So, if somebody's transitioning from male to female and they're considering going on uh, hormone blockers to block the effects of testosterone, um, or, you know, considering surgical options that would, you know, remove that uh, a large portion of the testosterone, that's going to have an impact on rehab. Whereas going the other direction might actually enhance rehab in the short run. You know, so it's like, this is, these are all things that are, for some reason, we're not allowed to talk about, yeah. you know, it's, it's like not, but. Well, I so, think so what is,
1: what discussed. is the priority grant? You know, the yeah, priori- exactly. pro- what right. is the priority of Amer- America's military? It's to fight and win wars, kill things and break stuff.
0: Not no more.
1: Right. And, and that's the, that's the one I joined, you know, even, even. Now it's hearts and minds. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so even in. I remember the first time I went on a ship as, uh, as a act duty, uh, was summer of 2006, right after my freshman year at the Academy. And I got on the ship in Norfolk and the next place we went, uh, we went across the Atlantic ocean, stopped in Naples and they let the six or eight of us or however many there were. They said, all right, guys, we're leaving on Tuesday. Uh, don't miss the ship and, you know, make sure you come back every night by whenever. All right, cool. Uh, fast forward to 2018. And so remember, this is in Naples. If you've been to Naples, Naples is it's a beautiful city. Uh, it, it didn't have a reputation to be particularly safe. Nothing went wrong. But, you know, it's a city that you kind of keep your head screwed on straight.
0: And they probably know sailors as well.
1: And, and they know who you are. Yeah. We, we stick out probably similar to a soldier.
0: And I've right. been there for years, probably.
1: So, yeah. Yep. Yep. And yep. so fast forward to 2018. Uh, instead of being 19 or 20 years old, I'm, you know, at that point, 32, 33, 34 years old. I don't remember. Um, and so we ended up uh, North Atlantic. So we were in Norway one of the safest countries on the planet to get in trouble in Norway is actually, you got to act. You have to try hard. Uh, and it's so expensive that getting any kind of alcohol related incident is, is monumental. You're going to break, you're going to break the bank. You know, you're going to get a call from mama. If you try to, <laughs> try to go drink that much. Um, but instead of, Hey guys, the ship leaves on Tuesday. Don't be dumb. It was all right, you need to go out with Liberty buddy. Yep. Uh, one of you has to stay sober. You have to call us before midnight when you get to your hotel. And then you have to call us again before 7 a.m. to let us know that you woke up.
0: Yep. All um, the games. All, all,
1: all, all the games for, you know, between, and my Liberty partner was the chaplain on board.
0: And these are between these the are, two of us,
1: we had eight children. Like, what do, what do you think we're going to go do?
0: These are adults <laughs> that, the government has decided are old enough to grab a firearm and go fight for their country or whatever, whatever the case. Uh, but they are going to have their hand held and be babysat every step of the way when it comes to any of their free will during recreation activities. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, somebody's always going to be there. There's always going to be rules uh, over you. There's always going to be that leader that's telling you how bad they're going to just screw your life over if you get in trouble out there, yep. um, you know. And, yep. yeah, I feel you. Like, we're we're adults, you know. Some people don't act like adults, but, hey, weed them out. Weed them out, yeah. you know.
2: Yeah, address those issues as they come up because yep. if you apply this standard to, to people that, I mean. The mass punishment folks, standard. Yeah, well, you're hoping that folks – You know, not in a training status, I mean, I get it in a training status, but you're hoping that once folks make it through that training status, that they are, you know, they're service members, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, a big part of how our military, from my perspective, has succeeded is by employing the principles of mission command where, you know, Americans are kind of notorious for this, right? The disciplined initiative at the lowest levels where there's intent provided by higher. Yep. And you're establishing habits and getting people to think of themselves as incompetent and incapable of executing disciplined independent initiative by
1: treating them like children. So and yeah, go ahead. We we were even in countries that were western countries, right? Right. These aren't places where social norm, the social norms that you would employ in like a New York or a New York city or Richmond, Virginia, or, or, you know, Charlotte, North Carolina wouldn't be completely applicable. I mean, minor, minor tweaking in, you know, Bergen, Norway, or, or Glasgow, Scotland, you know, Uh these are, these are, similar it's not like you're going to tokyo right where it is a completely different culture right
0: i went through it down at the at the texas border yeah i was coincidentally uh deployed to the u.s mexico border in laredo texas uh during lockdowns well right before lockdowns and then leading all into lockdowns all through covid lockdowns Uh, i just find it Amazing that we miraculously had soldiers strategically placed at the border right prior to lockdowns. Um, but yeah, we were the, uh we lived out of hotels for a year. Um, they tried telling us what we could and couldn't do. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere, you couldn't do anything. Soldiers couldn't drive. I mean, there was literally nothing, and this is the equivalent of you like waking up in the morning and going to pull a shift as a cbp officer or as a customs and border patrol officer and then coming back and you know that that's your day so just like any officer or any other agent you know at the end of the day they go do whatever they want to do and they live a free life and you know here we are in america living out of hotels and being told that our family can't come visit us we can't have you know friends from the local area and whatnot and just can't go anywhere can't drive it was just crazy it's crazy nonsense so
1: exactly when you go overseas uh i think there's a there's a certain understanding like i've i've never from
0: here yeah
1: well right and then but even even in 2006 in italy they were like all right guys see this spot on the map uh, the emb- local embassy, local CIA office, or whoever did the the Liberty Brief, they said, "Don't go here because this is a particularly high crime spot. You're going to be a target."
0: Blacklisted. Yeah, it's a blacklisted there, area. That's what are, the army calls it. Places that were not allowed to go. That are have been
1: blacklisted identified. area. Yeah, and actually, on honest, honest to goodness, in my in my experience, blacklisted areas. I've actually been places where you don't want to go. Like they're actually trying to help you. Yeah. Right. Like for the first time or for, for one of the, one of the, I don't want to say one of the only times one of the, but I felt like the Navy was trying to point me in the right direction. Right. The government is doing something in my, like in my own interest.
0: And for the, don't go there for the viewing audience like a uh, in in America around a duty station a blacklisted place might be like a, a like a head shop or a smoke shop it uh or a place uh, a bar that has been known as the the management has been peddling drugs out of it might mm-hmm. be something like a a a, 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 credi- car, a creditor a that charges way too much interest um you know places that you you really don't want to get involved in. So um, whether it's high crime and it's dangerous, um, there's always it, reasons for it to be on the blacklist. And it and, and and that's enough. Just telling people that alone is enough to where when they're here at a duty station, unless they're purposely going out and looking for those things, when they're here at their duty station, they avoid those places and they live just a normal recreational life, you know, and they do the common sense thing and stay away from dangerous places. But then that kind of just all went away. And now the uh, now the military is just like, you You better not do anything. You better just live in your barracks room or you know, go home um, to your something wife. That, <laughs> something that
2: it occurs to me, maybe this is like too subtle, but, um, you know, people talk about people that have overbearing parents, you know, growing up.
0: Yeah, helicopter parents.
2: Too too restrictive, and then when they get just a little bit of, of freedom, uh, freedom and autonomy, they overdo it. They overdo it like that's. Yep. So I'm not the only one that's heard nope. this. This is kind of like a common trope. Yeah, so absolutely.
1: You take 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 some pilots who went to flight from the take some pilots from the Naval Academy, right? Guys who selected pilot, send them down to flight school in Pensacola. I mean, they they almost burn the place down every July right yeah so because you know, they've know, we never have, been yeah, free
2: yeah so we have examples of this in the military so
0: alcohol now, restrictions
2: yeah now look at look That's at a, the you know expanding this beyond training status so like training status like i said i, I think that there's good arguments that can be made yeah. for really controlling that and keep trying your head to in pack, the game pack all this all this training into a really short time because it's not a permanent state of affairs but if that's how they try and have you live your life, so you right. can't develop this ability to self-regulate. Right. What happens when you're in a combat situation and they don't have the ability to enforce those strict regulations anymore? You know what happens when there's uh, really challenging moral situations,
0: or you know, when you. I mean, when, I, I. Yeah. Oh, go Not bad. Or when you're just. Unable to make decisions yourself and always have to look towards the leader to tell you what to do because that's what they've been doing all along and you don't move an inch without their say so you don't do anything without their say so so put that in a combat situation you know where somebody is now has to make a decision on their own and they're looking for you know the leader to make the choice for them or something so yeah, I mean, I think it goes. It's multifaceted for sure. Mm,
1: well, how how much of this has been inspired by the speed of communications?
2: A lot it, of it, I think. Okay,
1: uh, you yeah. know, it, it headquarters
2: to, really wanting updates on everything and metrics. Right. For everything did you update? It's did, feasible? Did,
1: did you update your slide?
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Did you Did you update the slide? Is your slide updated? And
0: that's, the numbers really,
1: are. Mm-hmm. And the numbers,
0: numbers are fake, anyways.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> Yeah. That's a whole nother rabbit hole. I want to, so like, so we've been talking for a while I want, before, uh, before we close up, I want to get into, um, just mark your, your philosophy on, uh, freedom and, you know, why you declined, uh, the COVID vaccine, um, yeah. because oh, you know, this is something that, you know, brought us all together essentially.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm thank I'm, I'm honestly thankful for <laughs> In a sense, I'm thankful for COVID because I've met some of the coolest people. Um, I,
0: I said the same thing. I'm like, man, if it wasn't for the vaccine, I would have never gotten out of the army. I would have never found this new me that took a stand and had this like spiritual awakening almost. I would have never, you know, I'm I'm sad for it. And I still pray for everybody. But uh, yeah. You know.
1: All right. So uh, I was on the back up a little bit said i had an undergrad in history i have a graduate degree in uh applied mathematics and simulation um so uh, uh, not not like Grant. i'm not a medical professional but i am uniquely qualified to uh understand numbers um when the plague came in march of 20 you know it's almost three years coming up on it
0: that's crazy it's almost three years.
1: right right we should have birthday cake for it um but when it when it came, and on the and I was working at the shipyard. Uh, I was on an aircraft carrier in the shipyard, and people employed at shipyards, they have some extraordinary talented technicians and laborers, uh, leadership and management. And then they got some like, hey man, you're barely functional. I don't know if you've you've taken a shower this week or this month uh but how did you join (laughs) you're hired right yeah so we had some of the some of the like you know some of the most not hygienic people (laughs) i've i've ever met wandering around this ship and i'm thinking to myself if this is the most deadly virus on the planet why aren't those guys like dead in the corner somewhere right you know what happened and uh, so we go through and, and we're at the, because I was in reactor, we were the, we were essential, right? So here I am trying to explain to my sailors why they have to show up every day where, you know, everybody airman, else
0: is shamming
1: Air, airman, Timmy shows up once every 10 days for two hours so that he can socially distance, uh, and, and social distance was like code speak for, <laughs> I'm going to go do what I want. Right. Um,
0: but but then but then on the days where they make everybody come in, they stand in a mass formation. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, so, at least so, in the army, you know, a battalion formation. Hey, let's bring everybody in together. Let's give a speech it, of everything that's going on. It's like isn't. This...
1: Let me breathe on you. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. So so and then they said, all right. Well, if you get COVID, you you can't come in for two weeks. And we're going to tickle the bat. Like, apparently you have to wear a mask over all this, but COVID only lives right there in the, on, just on the other side of that spot of your skull. Because when they stuck that thing <laughs> into your face, uh, yeah, that's where it feels like they're poking. So um, the sailors realized, oh man, if I get sick, I get two weeks off. Right. And so like they're over there trying to lick all the doorknobs and, you know, hug all the keyboards and, you know, climb all over each other, trying to get themselves on some sort of list so that they can get two weeks off. So you don't even have to be sick with a positive. You just have to be the close contact of somebody. Right.
0: Yeah. And at that
1: point, that was like that was free range. We had frequent flyers on the close contact list.
0: This is a, uh, this is exactly what was going on down at the border. Like we're living out of hotels. Each roommate is on a different shift. So that way they can have the room to themselves for a period of time. But then this person is going to sit in a vehicle with this person who's mm-hmm. roommates with this person. And I'm like, yeah, so they were like stopped to think about this. They were you like, know? like,
1: you're the close contact of a close contact. You, you get three days off. Yeah. Just to make sure. And then we're going to stick this up your face before you come back. (laughs) So, um, so so I'm watching this project just get farther and farther behind, because if one person gets sick, then all of their friends take off for a couple of weeks. And we're all on shift work trying to make all this all this work. And then, yeah, just just kind of watching all this play out and. Then I start hearing about a vaccine. I'm like, Ooh, what is this vaccine? That doesn't sound like a good plan. Uh, oh, it's a new technology. Mm, still not really on board. I call it my Jag buddy. I said, Hey, man, what's the what can they do? What is what is this? And he goes, They can't do anything until it's FDA approved. So just keep keep punting until they approve it. They probably won't because that takes decades. I'm like, oh, all right, we're good. So you know, a couple months go by. Uh, uh, a couple of months go by and they're like everyone has to get the shot and then they had different photos around the ship like a a communist fist coming out of the ocean with a vial with a with a needle in his hand it says this is how we're going to stop COVID-19 like uh (laughs) you're not inspiring me to do anything at this point
0: very wild
1: yeah and uh and then the detailer called the guy who writes the orders. He's like, Hey, I need you to sign your next contract. And I'm like, Listen, dude, I don't know if they're going to make this. And I told him straight up, I was like, I don't know if they're going to make this a mandatory thing or what is happening with it, but I don't want any strings to the Navy. And that's a lot of strings. I told you that's a lot of strings that they'd have on me. Uh, if they tried to kick me out, I'd owe a lot of money back. So I just said, No. Uh, I'm just going to see what happens. And I ended up getting another set of orders to a different location. I was on shore tour, which is, I guess the army calls them B billets or non-deployable or something to that effect. So I wasn't on a ship anymore. And I ended up in, um, uh, ended up down at little Creek, which is Virginia beach. It's a base in Virginia beach in a non-deploying billet. So when the vaccine mandate happened, they were like, everyone has to go get it. It's FDA approved now. And I'm like, ah, that doesn't sound very right. But I'm still, <laughs> how about no, uh, it's not FDA approved because all your vials still say EUA on them. You're like, well, but they're FDA approved. And we ordered you to. I'm like, no, not, not going to happen.
0: And nobody took the time to read the FDA letters. Everybody heard what came across the news mm-hmm. and rushed out to get it. And then everybody heard, uh, the policy and rushed out to get it. And, and everybody said that they weren't going to get it. Uh, And as soon as their job was threatened. So they all got it.
1: So now we're going to get back to that retention thing that we started with. Right. The Navy has been pretty good to me Uh, all in all. They've been pretty good to me. I've caused a good amount of shenanigans, uh, not really great at doing what i'm told and everything else but i got an undergrad they sent me to grad school i got a fancy graduate degree out of the navy and and i'm a nuclear engineer right so when they said you're gonna you're gonna lose your job if you don't go get the child, like yeah okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. sounds bet (laughs) they said no no no, for real you're we're gonna take your job and you're gonna you're gonna have to go live on the street i'm like "Mm, bet and they said, "Well, why don't you just resign if you're so bent on getting out?" And I was like, oh.
0: "I'm not giving you that satisfaction." No, yeah,
1: no, because spite is an incredibly warm blanket, right? And uh, and I'm just not interested, right? And they're like, "But you have to wear this mask everywhere." I'm like, mm, I mean, maybe
0: I ended up wearing. I was pissed off about it at first, but then I ended up wearing it proudly. You know, it was like a signal to let everybody, all the leadership know, all the whoever knows. Yeah, it and was it's like, not like crown, they didn't, right? Yeah, it's not like they didn't know, but you know, it, and it got to the point where they didn't even want me to come to work. They're like, here's this influential sergeant first class that is refusing the vaccine and soldiers see that. Uh uh-huh. let's just not I I I didn't go to work for a year and nobody gave a shit. <laughs> You know? Yeah,
1: it's it's insane. Now I've always had to go to work. I the good liberty for me ended in like May of 2020.
0: Okay,
1: so we only got like six, seven weeks of really good liberty. Like every other day, every third day, go in.
0: Oh, this I I meant right before I ended up getting out, I stopped oh, showing up, and they, and they they didn't care because I was the opinionated guy that was yeah calling out policy and refusing everything and you know making it known to everybody else that they also didn't have to follow through with this and i was emailing religious Mm -hmm. exemption letters and you know uh so all of the people in my battalion ultimately that pushed to get an exemption they all got like the paperwork from me and whatnot so yeah so they're like yeah we we don't want this dude around anymore
1: so, so the exemption or the the mandates come out, and I'm like, "Huh, I should probably go look at this exemption thing." Um, ended up schooling some chaplain on Thomas Aquinas and natural law uh, because I didn't have, I didn't feel like I could stand on the oh, this was made tested using fetal cells because I had taken all the other vaccines.
0: I didn't even use that just, argument. Just willingly, I, I did about it.
1: Yeah. Well, my argument, I said bodily autonomy. You can't pass my skin without my, without my, uh, without my consent, especially to change my DNA. Right. In polite society, we call that rape.
0: Right. Exactly. Um,
1: so, so I went, I went with that one, um, sent it in, got denied, but also like at that point I had started to, kind of get connected, uh, got connected with military freedom keepers. Um, I was one of the 14 14 declarations that uh, RFK Jr.'s organization took back in September or so of 21. Um, I was on that that crew and that got me set up with, uh, I don't know if you met Dave Beckerman yet, so it got uh, set up yeah it got set up with dave uh with his initially it was uh the the one of the signal groups and then then we got set up with a handful of other other i mean just super heavyweight players like um oh uh john i don't remember his name at this point it's been so yeah anyhow uh john sharp we got set up with John Sharp who's been in the fight since 92, right? He actually got kicked out of the Navy and they let him back in because you know how some people, some people find, uh, going out and working in their yard, life giving this guy finds case law life giving. So he's just, he's, he's just that kind of guy. Uh, but then we started the uh, signal group that was business only. Um, and from there I got, I pulled Rob, uh, Rob Green in, um, turns out he, he was on fire for the cause too. And, and we just ended up building this community of, of people that cared. So this camaraderie that we had on the ships that a lot of us lost, uh, yeah. cause they were ostracized, you know, kicked off the ship, weren't allowed to go anywhere in the Navy. In a lot of ways, they were the harshest, uh, especially if you were assigned to a ship. Right. Cause they were. Yeah. yeah, there's
2: no doubt they, they were the first ones to come out with the uh, interchangeability memo. You know, uh, where, you know they didn't they didn't come out and do that in the army ever. They you know that that came from Terry Archer um, and I think was she was 90s. Air Force. Yeah, well, no, I think she she was working uh, under secretary, uh, DOD level. Okay. Um, when she she did that. But the first interchangeability memo was Navy, where they're just like, Look, you know, it doesn't matter if it's not FDA approved, it's, it's basically the same thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's um, either either they're the worst lawyers on the planet or they just don't speak English. Like or, 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 they, or, or they
2: understand that or um, they know
1: exactly what they're doing and they, they're they understand protecting it's themselves. not about
2: the law, it's about power, you know, because that's what one of the lawyers said in one of the recent cases um when he was arguing from the judge they said well you know why you, you guys are violating these religious freedoms and it's like no we're not like that a court has to say that for that to be true and it's like okay so what you're saying oh yeah you yeah, like the that. law exactly and, exactly
0: and, and um, how
2: she's I- like well yeah that's how it works and that's that's how these people think that it works uh, you know you look at the federal uh mandate for requiring wearing masks on uh air travel like that's clearly unconstitutional. They're still trying to implement that. And they know it's unconstitutional. Same mm-hmm. deal with the CDC moratorium on evictions. CDC can't keep you from evicting people off of property that you own, but they did it for over a year. And um, the current administration knew that it was unconstitutional. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, the Supreme Court can make us stop. And so it didn't end until the Supreme Court made them stop. That's, right. just, that's how this stuff
1: works. Uh, it, exactly. It's, it's a, um, it's, it, I'm ready for it to be over. I can't believe we're still talking about something three years, three years deep.
0: For real. But it's a conversation that needs to be had.
1: Yeah. It needs to keep going because,
0: because now that, so, so I'm, I'm really confused on everything that's going on, right? Uh, I foreseen it coming and I medically retired. Um, so I got lucky enough to not get fucked with or messed with. I had my religious exemption that you know shielded me from the nonsense and they still tried doing the nonsense mm-hmm. and I just I just throw out policy and regulation at them uh, pretty much saying, bro, I'm untouchable as as much as you hate it and as much as you wanna freaking stick that needle in my arm for all the briefings that you had to sit through that you had to report that a sergeant first class a platoon sergeant was refusing the vaccine like I know how badly you want to do it but guess what you can't I know how badly you want to not give me a a retirement award but guess what you can't I know how you know and I just covered like all all of my my basis and whatnot but it was really uh you know like where's the leadership where is where's the people that you know took their creeds and their oaths to you know
1: well it's it's the people who we expected to you know i I've, i've always expected my captains to shield me from stupid like that's i think that's a as a well, as a junior officer, that's a that's a expectation, right? I, yeah, the O six,
2: like the flag never, officer, is another deal. But the O 06 the you
1: know, they're right. not completely exactly. creatures yet.
0: I never really expected my commanders to shield me from bullshit, but I expected my commanders to enforce like what is legally so, and morally right. So you here's know what I mean? here,
1: here's here's the disappointment. The disappointment is that at some point when these 06s are looking out at their officers, right? I mean, these aren't, I'm not just some dude walked in off the street. I've got education. I've been around a while. And he looks and he goes, you're not getting the shot. I'm not at all professionally interested on why you made that decision. Go get your shot. It's like, wait yep. a minute, right? All right. So I'm just one. But what about all these other what about all these other people? Right. All these other, other senior enlisted officers, junior enlisted, spec ops, guys who we train to think on their own are saying not only no, but absolutely not. Right. Feel, and you're that. not professionally interested at all not in the least
0: because he knew that they were all going to fold because they all did.
1: Yeah. A lot of them did. A lot of them did the, the most, one of the, like, yeah, nine, no,
0: like 90% <laughs> easily.
1: So the most heartwarming moment of this whole thing was when we, uh, when the team that I was working on the business signal group that I was working with got connected somehow to the SEALs in the Texas case, right, with Judge O'Connor. And they were, I think, to the man, either enlisted or warrant officer. And we got one of them into this business group, and this was December of 21, And he goes, are all of you officers? He said, no, but most of us, he goes, I, we had no idea. We had no idea that there were people, brothers and sisters in arms that far up the food chain who were saying kick rocks Navy. Yeah. Right. And, and that was, it was heartening to, you know, kind of be that example for someone who I, I for for men that I hold in extremely high regard because I could never do that, but to be viewed with that same to have that same kind of respect reciprocated by someone I so deeply and profoundly respected, anyhow, like that <laughs> was. Excuse me, Sorry. I'm talking, dude. <laughs> dude, I,
0: I thought I,
2: I thought I was muted. <laughs> Yeah, I feel I feel that 100%. I felt the same thing. I felt the same thing. Because I don't know, I, I think, Mark, like you and I are, are kind of similar. Like, uh, I haven't gone deep into my background on like, ideology and stuff. But like, uh, let's just say I'm a free thinker. All right. And I'm kind of like, a little bit of an odd man out as a as a military person, for that reason. And to all of a sudden be aligned with some of these serious, serious folks um, in a way that kind of, you know, that, like there's a strong bond there. It, it was, it kind of uh, was inspiring. Yeah,
1: we know, have a inspiring. Navy captain in that group. Yeah. So, so,
0: so I, I got, captains I, and colonels. I got out um, before I really had to like get involved. Um, so I got out July of, 2022 um but i had i had submitted my religious exemption august of 2021 and it took until april of 2022 to get it back and be denied that's when i was told i have five days to submit an appeal and that's when i told them hey i don't have to submit an appeal i'm I am within the window of exemption because I am getting out and my leave date starts before the August 1st or whatever, July 31st, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And they, they still made me type up an appeal. So I typed up an appeal um, that really shed some light on the leadership in the battalion and in the brigade. And they decided to not send up my appeal. Um, So I got out of the army and I got to thinking about it. And I was like, no, you know what? Like, that was silencing my, by them refusing to send up my religious exemption appeal. They are suppressing my religious voice, my religious freedoms. And I got a hold of Grant. That's how me and Grant got into contact. I found his blog and I reached out to him to see if he had the email contact for the secretary of the army for the department of man manpowers and affairs that's who it was supposed to go to mm-hmm. and i tagged all three of them and i i attached everything right my my uh, initial memo the chaplain's memo the pa memo my original exemption and then my appeal and i'm like i i I still want an answer for this because technically I was in the army when I submitted this to you guys and I would still like a piece of paper because I think it would be beneficial to have a memorandum or a piece of paper from the federal government that is acknowledging your uh, religious freedoms when it comes to a vaccine, just in case I want to get employed somewhere else or down later on down Mm -hmm. the road, they try to make this you know, more strict or try to do it all over again, which they're going to, we already know, we can already see that they're just going to do it again um, to push for more uh, COVID passports, uh, tracking, surveillance, injections, whatever. Yeah, they're going to do it again. Just
1: for the record, I'm also anti-microchip.
0: Yeah, um, me too, yeah. You know, just yeah. just
1: throwing that one, you know, preemptively. Uh, so I also put in the religious accommodation it was denied um they gave me 10 calendar days not business days to submit my appeal and uh i ended up submitting a 344 page appeal
0: i didn't even know what i was appealing wow. i didn't even get the stuff back from the and it, like it was supposed to it oh, was no, no, supposed, no. So- supposed to be my memo the the chaplain the pa uh, and then it was supposed to be my commander's memo and uh-huh. then it was supposed to go to battalion and he was supposed to produce a memo brigade. They were supposed produce a memo, division commander. And then they were supposed to produce a memo. And then to the office of the surgeon general who makes the decision. And when I got it back or when I got word back, it was just a counseling statement that says uh, your exemption was denied. You have five days to type up an appeal. I'm like, what am I appealing? I don't even know what got, I don't even know what got denied. Where's all my other paperwork. Where is it was all a game from, from, from the Mm -hmm. get go, but at least it protected us if we followed the steps, but it Mm -hmm. was never, ever going to be taken seriously.
1: So when, by the time we got to that point, I was already hooked up with these different groups. And so we were all trading information and they were, primarily Navy um, we were trading information back and forth we kind of knew the hoops to jump through hey what are we appealing well we don't know what we're appealing but you can email this guy in DC and he will send you your package that was denied uh, and he's pretty prompt with it so next thing you know he's getting just flooded with emails poor 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 man
0: oh wait uh, so some so somebody can get me my package yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, what,
1: what's that guy's name?
0: Oh, know? no, no. Well, he's Navy. Yeah. Uh, FOIA, like, you would have to do a FOIA. That's I got a privacy well, act. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's a privacy a, act for your own. That's yeah. what I was originally going to do. But...
1: Um, so we ended up getting it back. I sent in the 344 pages with something like 42 or 53. I don't remember exactly. Enclosures. Uh, but it was all documented. And I definitely did not compress that PDF file. Because,
0: want <laughs> take up that space?
1: <laughs> I don't want this to be fun for you. This, yeah, no, right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just crush your I whole take it. I
2: take it they didn't address a single point.
1: I, I, have not been responded to yet. No. Uh, I'm gonna assume they, they that... demanded this in ten days. Well, and... they denied,
2: they denied that appeal, didn't they?
1: No. Oh, my appeal has never been denied.
2: I'm wow. gonna assume that because that happened a lot. it. That happened a lot in the Navy, didn't it? That's why you guys uh, got that injunction. Was
1: because we, you guys got a lot of appeal denials. So, what inspired the injunction? And you can read all this in uh Rob Green's book that's set to come out here in a couple months. Yeah, I'm
2: very excited. What's oh, the name of that? Uh,
1: Do you know? Stand by. I have no idea.
2: Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll push, yeah, we'll push yeah, it. Yeah, it'll get pushed. We're, pretty. We're going to get to talk to Rob at some point.
1: Ooh, gotcha. that'll be exciting. I'd like to talk to Roba. I'd like to be in on that. Um, yeah, we can probably yeah. yeah, we can yeah probably let's let go. him talk mostly, but yeah. so yeah. What did uh, what ended up happening with that one is through a random series of events, I pulled Rob and another Navy Lieutenant Commander into the group. The Navy Lieutenant Commander wanted to know what the deal was with his particular exemption and so he emailed this office just cold email and he gets a email back from somebody uh i don't want to go too into it because i mean the source is still still very very anonymous uh heavy protected but anyhow this dude
0: we should try to get him on just (laughs) black out black out his face
1: yeah, make him talk like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he ends up uh calling calling Matt back and or emailing Matt back, and Matt just picked up the phone and called the called the guy. And the guy's like, everything's going crazy. I have no idea what's going on. This, that, and the other. Well, uh, we end up getting some information. From this guy in the form of different pdfs and files and so uh that one of those files ended up being the backbone of the seal case in north texas that's the the navy sop file right
2: oh for them uh... yeah Denying. Like
1: where all the denials were all preformatted, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was that file, right? So we were able to um really push that push and get get that. Our uh, that's what inspired the judge to write the injunction. That's how we got the injunction in March of twenty two.
0: Do you uh do you have uh, these things on digits that uh, you'd be. Willing you know who reports on all of it is uh, uh, Danny
2: at Terminal CWO. You know he reported on that. I know for sure.
1: Yeah, he did. He posted so, it, but he—that's that's, yeah. that's so where that's, I know where he got it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm saying, but that's like that's a good source if you if anyone wants to follow along and see a lot of this stuff. Like he he covered pretty much everything in addition to a lot of other. What is it? Anything corruption related. It's a uh, terminal CWO. So he's got a telegram channel, he's got an Instagram, and he's got a site called Terminal X. So the T
1: oh yeah, yeah. You told me
0: about this one. Yep. Okay.
1: Yeah. But so being, he's, he does a lot of good work. You know, being kind of having a front row seat to all that. And then just, just Rob being so tenacious.
2: Yeah, he's he's Tenacious is the perfect word.
1: Ten- yeah, he's there's no quit in this guy. Uh, the you know fear is uh, fear is not of the Lord, right? And and I thank I I'm thankful and grateful every day that I don't didn't care about my job.
0: That's you know,
2: that's where I feel like. Uh, how much harder
1: would this have been if someone cared about their job?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I cared about it. Uh, And I still, I still care about a lot. You know, I care about a lot. It's just that there's, there's things that are more important and your principles in order to do my job, I have to be a man of principle. Right. It's that simple. And so I can't have both. I can't have both.
1: So, so we taught like being a, being a Navy nuke is hard. It's a hard life, right? I was lying myself up to move on. And then when they're like, hey, you need to do this or you're going to get moved on. I was like, oh, yeah, I was (laughs) I was
0: pretty salty about the army already when I got out. And I had already been complaining about back issues for the last six years. And it just so happened, uh, like right before summer block leave, I was telling my commander um, because I just ended up venting to him. I'm like, dude, I'm hurting. I've been hurting. I'm grumpy. I hate life. You know, like, I love my soldiers, but I cannot stand the army. And Mm I was like, every day I'm miserable because of the pain. And then that makes everything even even tenfold worse. And he's like, I had no idea that you felt this way. You know, know, I have no problem reaching out to the PA and requesting uh, that you be enrolled into the med board process. And I came back from summer block leave. Uh, and right when we came back, that's when we were told that, uh, uh, that's when the policy came out Mm -hmm. and I was like, I was like, yep, I'll take that med board. (laughs) So, and and then I started the process from there. So I feel you a little bit about, you know, uh, not caring about your job by the time that you left. Um, I was pretty tired of my job, but like, like now after everything, like legitimately after everything that I had gone through. Because Mm -hmm. of the vaccine, I will always reflect on my times with my soldiers, but I am no longer proud to claim myself as a veteran, to affiliate myself with the army or its leaders. Um, I don't want to feel like that. But by the time I left, I was like, dude, I am so done with the army. And, and I was worried that when I got out, I would miss it, you know, because you hear stories about people that got out and they're like, dude, this sucks. I wish I would have never got out. I, I haven't thought once about it. <laughs> I'm like, this is the best thing that could have ever happened, you know? And like for once in my life in the last, what, 14 years, I'm like free away from the army, you know, away from, mm-hmm. away from the new army that I grew to hate, not the old army that I really loved. Uh, right before like, they dropped the bomb on me you
1: know? the intent with, with when when all this was happening i mean even in 20 when i showed up to the carrier 9 the end of 19 when i showed up to the carrier my intention was to resign anyway right like i wasn't staying i wasn't going to make it to 20 so it it was just like like i said oh you want me to you want me to do this or you're going to lose weight? well i'm gonna my intentions to get out anyway like
0: right i'm, just gonna, right.
1: I'm, I'm gonna ride the wave man like and this now- lo- This looks like fun this looks like finally i've got a worthy mission
0: right something to fight yeah. for you know yeah
1: I, I do
2: i i see it the same way i see this is you know i see it as orthogonal or, well i mean maybe it's not even orthogonal maybe it's central to you know my my professional purpose mm-hmm. you know it's like we, we took an oath to the yeah. to the constitution and this has been a a deliberate effort to undermine our constitutional rights. Like the First Amendment's very, very clear um, as to what it's all about. And And it's the first. (laughs) Yeah, they're trying to tamp down on our our freedom of expression as service members um, and also just of the society at large. And if they can get away with it, like if the federal government can get away with doing it to service members, Then it's a lot easier for private companies to get away with it without, um, because that 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 takes individual lawsuits and stuff. Like uh, some CEO of a corporation doesn't take an oath to the Constitution, right? You know, but all of our bosses did, and so it's like, what are they doing? It's absolutely reprehensible. And if nobody's willing to stick around and try and set the example and call attention to that, and say, hey, the oath that we took is important then uh, who's going to be left to do yeah. it? You know, are we just going to give this organization
1: over to those folks? So fa- um, fast forward to the NDA this year, right? Came out and rescinded whatever that word means. Apparently it's a special word.
0: The NDA, what, what are you talking about? The, nat- the oh, National Defense, Defense
1: Act. Authorization yeah. Act, right?
0: Oh, NDAA, gotcha.
1: Yeah, um, when that came out, and they're like, "All right, COVID vaccine descended." I mean, I walked into work with high fives. It was almost as good as the day, first day with no masks for anybody, right?
0: It it doesn't feel like a win though, I, I, in my case, right? Because uh, and that's I was literally just getting ready to bring it up because this is like kind of what it all boiled to, right? Like everything. That's over, sweet, that's Everything sweet, over the last. Everybody...
2: Everybody that got pushed out, you know, it's like those eight thousand plus people that got pushed out. Mm-hmm. Um, just like what Rodney said, they're they're not out and being like, "Oh man, I really want to get back in." No, they're like, "Huh." So you know, it's a relief.
3: Yeah, Because you know,
2: the, the culture is turned in a way such that the people that didn't want to get vaccinated, you know, it, it is a sort of a witness test. And, There's no way you know, I leadership knows that
0: there's no way I would go back if, if they had kicked me out and then they called me, I don't even know if it is a call. I don't even, maybe it's something that you're forced. I mean, they have been texting.
2: Uh, They've been texting people.
0: Yeah. Um, And and I'm assuming they have a choice. I would assume, um, stay out or come back in. There's there's, no way I would come back in. And the thing that really bothers me is, you know, all the, now that it's rescinded, um, Everything that had happened over the last two years has been for nothing. People have been 90% of soldiers or sailors or Marines or airmen have been injected with something that they have no idea of all for nothing because it didn't matter because everything got rescinded anyways. And That's well, not their
2: narrative, man. Their narrative is they saved millions of lives. Right, you know, but even okay.
1: Let's.
0: We only have two million service members, but whatever. Let Let's play the the Count,
1: counting's never been their thing, Grant. We've talked yeah, about no. that before.
0: <laughs> let's Let's play the hero. Narrative. Must be especially
2: painful for a mathematician.
0: Let's uh <laughs> Let's play the hero narrative to now they they realize their wrongdoing, or new people came in and said, "All oh, this is wrong," and then managed to get everybody to change their mind and and stuff rescinded um but like we're still uh at the end of the day right so so they allow everybody back in but at the same time they what are we going to do about accountability for those people that enforced it you know what i mean and that's what i that's what i really want you're going to tell soldiers they can come back in You're not going to pay them back pay. You're making them pay back bonuses. This is as far as the army. I'm not sure uh, Navy or anything else, making them pay back bonuses uh, from that enlistment of which they were kicked out. But at the same time, you're letting them back in. But at the same time, none of those leaders that were forcing crap upon them are held accountable and now i think soldiers are in a position now the, the best thing that the government could have done was just shut up and roll with it you know like whatever decision that they have made they really messed up by letting people back in right because now soldiers, well, didn't. soldiers that didn't. were
2: that was an act of congress dude that it, was the it, american people speaking it was As the American people saying, repudiating this nonsense. It was right. not the the DoD. It was not SecDef. It was not the president. It was the American people having their will enforced through I don't the
0: remember.
2: populist wing of uh, con- congressional uh, members of Congress. Period. Um, yeah, you know, I they, don't. Re- I don't
0: remember voting on anything. I don't remember no, having no, a choice. People,
2: people called up uh their their congressmen and women and they let them know that this was important. And uh, you know, it got added to the NDAA, which
0: they and, have been doing from the start.
2: Yeah. And yeah. so, you know like it, it was it was the one issue, right? That was the main issue of contention mm-hmm. that uh you know kevin mccarthy's speakership was hinging on
1: so i think he
2: tried to make that uh, anyway i won't go into the ultimately
1: ultimately this is a start okay uh but at at the same in in the same vein there are lives 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 ruined lives put on hold careers ruined people deceived people deceived our brothers and sisters in arms hurt
0: relationships ruined
1: Marriages, marriages destroyed uh, over this one. Families, everything else. Right? It's uh, it's it's been a big deal. I want to know. I mean, my my career is done. I'm 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 moving on.
0: Congratulations. Uh,
1: Congratulations. one one way or another, I am moving on. But for the people who you know, for people who uh, may have you know, maybe the captain of a ship who decided he didn't want to get get stabbed right he lost his job he was Mm -hmm. dismissed for cause or moved on or replaced or somehow uh uh taken out of that role right Mm -hmm. his career is
0: irreparably irreparably
1: Damaged. damaged yeah Okay. Even the, if he
0: comes back in, he can't, or even well, if he got out, or what? what however it works, there's no even coming back he's from He's still
1: that. in, but there's no coming back from that. Right. Uh, the executive officer of a ship or the executive, the number two guy at a command, if you were removed, there's no coming back from that, right? Um, if they say, oh, we're going to take all the stuff off of your record that had anything to do with. The vaccine, the Gomar, the letter of reprimand, the yeah. letter, whatever's, we're gonna take all that off your record. All right, cool. Well, you know, my fit reps and evaluations may still say, you know, may, may have been marked lower. They don't say anything about vaccinations, right? But they were, they but may it have, have been impact. marked low. Yeah. It, it had an impact. That? Like there, there's intangible impact. So when the NDA comes out and says, well, we can't, you know, we're we're gonna do this. And all the records are going to be corrected. Well, there's still—I mean—in Terminal CWO, Danny goes into this—that there's the shadow policies that are impossible to, to track, to correct,
0: down.
1: Yeah. To track down, to correct. To yeah, you know, if they if they want you, you've been in the organization long enough. If they want to mess something up for you, you're going to get it's going to get messed up for sure. You know that yeah, culturally,
2: culturally enforced. A lot and, of things. There's implicit rules, cultural enforcement. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to speak to the people that got uh, relieved of commands. People don't necessarily realize those folks spent their entire lives. That, that Those commands are culminating moments for those people where they prepared oh, that's 18 years those deep. position. Like yeah. that's
1: an 18 year commitment to get yeah, to that yeah. point.
2: And it's a, it's a dream that they had something that they prepared and mm-hmm. built the skill set to do that job and, and take care of soldiers, take care of sailors. Yeah. Um, like that's what they were all about. And, and, and it was um, all the confronted good With ones. this impossible. Yeah. Confronted with this impossible decision, you know, sacrifice your principles or uh, give that up. And that like those jobs aren't coming back.
1: Uh, they, they're um, in, they're, they're in the crew. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know who they are and, and you can talk to them offline. Um, they, I think some of them may still be, in litigation type stuff. So I don't know how uh, open or available they are to, to discuss, but I mean, it's, it's good perspective, even if they don't want to go live or go on, go on the podcast.
0: Yeah. I just really want to know, you know, I, and I'm sure, I'm sure they don't give a shit. Honestly, I'm sure they don't give a shit, but I was treated very poorly in a very subtle way you know what i mean so it wasn't uh it was just trying to like cut me out or um i i mean i was really good at my job i have a a a good career an impressive resume um i was you know i was kind of i don't want to say untouchable but i i always did the right thing i knew the policies i knew Mm -hmm. you know so so i could be this opinionated person that probably should have received some sort of UCMJ for like my mouth or whatever, or my, uh, my opinions or whatever. But at the end of the day, nobody did that because of the results that I produced, the, the work that I was doing, you know, and, and they, they just knew that I was right. Like, how are you going to punish somebody for speaking up when you know that they're right about something? Right. So but all those people that treated me poorly and act like I was just some right-wing, freaking radical, uh, MAGA-loving uh, well, non-vaxxer, you know. Didn't
1: you go to the training, uh, comrade? Extremism training, what? yeah. There, yeah, was, there, was, there we, was extremism, there was yeah, extremism training that. where we learned to not be extremists. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, I remember that. But I'm, I'm saying, like, uh, that was after January 6th and all that. But I'm saying just just the vaccine alone the people that enforced it the people that kicked people out the people that ruined lives uh do they feel sorry are they do they are they like oh crap they were right were they just blinded by nonsense were they scared of the boss did they want to say something and they didn't or did they really believe in covid vaccinations and and or was it all a numbers game or- Do do any of them feel bad, you know, for, for what they did to, to me and to everybody else?
1: At this point, it doesn't matter.
0: I I know it doesn't, but it's like a, it's like a closure thing. You know what I mean? It's like, it is, it can, it can be,
1: it can be, but it it ultimately like how they feel should never affect how, how we feel.
0: Oh no, it it doesn't. It's just something that I would love to know. Like, man, I I hope they feel terrible for what they did. You know what I mean? I, I, like it's a, it's a slight thing. It is. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. Well, when I see them, I, th- I think to myself, I hope they live a long and prosperous and happy life without an I, enlarged heart. I and, also think that, you know, I, you do, know? I do pray like, for cause, everybody. Cause I know, legitimately- I know, I know that they went, you know, they're the guys in line to get boosted too. Yeah. Like the ones who believe in it. Like I, I feel bad because they have a hole in their head.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like at some point uh, we're, we're told to instruct the ignorant, but we're also told to be charitable. Yeah. like at some point when, when do you when do you tell people like hey man you have a hole in your head and there's something seriously wrong with you. Right. You're still wearing that stupid face diaper. Right. You know, and oh and, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Like there's something seriously wrong with you, dude. The people that
0: you? I the people that I see, and they'll be by themselves and whatnot. Like nobody's around. Like you can drive around the city or whatever, mm-hmm. and you'll still see people wearing masks. Like one dude I seen. It was so, he was like a farmer in overalls and whatnot. Just you could just tell a dude works on tractors or he's just corn fed and he has a mask and it is just covered in oil from the, from him taking it on and putting it off. I'm like, dude, why do you even have that thing on? And he was nowhere like nobody was around. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like dude, what's going on with you right now? I mean,
2: anytime I see a new piece of evidence, anytime something new gets published. I'm always tempted to be like, oh, I want to send this to to you know, all my people that ostensibly care about um, the scientific literature and yeah. what a rigorous investigation of these questions says. Yeah, you know, people yeah. that care about, say, a Cochrane review, you know, in medicine, a Cochrane review, is this, uh, you know uh, you know, meta-analysis, systematic review. You know the highest level of evidence, very Mm -hmm. conservative uh, in their in their conclusions, and taken very seriously by everyone. Every one of these people that is so, you know, that that we're happy to wear masks because why not? And it's like, well, why not? Cochrane reviews just published last week and said that masks do little to nothing, which also which we always knew. It's what the meta analysis that had already been published in 2020
1: i said i think bernstein 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 alex no berenson uh yeah yeah. In his in in one of his books early on more of a pamphlet he goes i genuinely wish masks work we would have less sickness if they worked unfortunately they don't so what are we doing here
2: yeah but the, the motivated reasoning is uh it is what it is and so you know all i'm gonna do if i send you know if i send this to somebody is it's just gonna get upset with me and uh you know it's the hypocrisy that that grinds in me it's the Mm -hmm. idea that they they want to argue and use Logic and reason, and it's like I will do that all day. I'd love to do that, but, but you have as to do soon it <laughs> as it's something that they don't don't agree with or challenges one of their uh you know sacred beliefs that isn't open to being questioned because only stupid people disagree good, with it.
1: Good word. They 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 have founded this new religion.
2: Yeah. So that's that's what frustrates me. It's just because I like to discuss things. I like mm-hmm. to um. I like to lay out my reasoning and say, "Hey, where is my reasoning wrong?" Mm-hmm. And they they don't want to play because it's like, "Oh, well, giving that reasoning the time of day just gives it credence and credibility." And it's like, isn't that a clue? Yeah. Isn't it a clue that if talking about it gives it credence and credibility that maybe what if it's true? Like, what if it's true? It's mm-hmm. like it's not even possible that it's true. This total lack of epistemic humility that these people have, you know, I've been proven wrong before, you know, I've been wrong about things before. Have these people never been wrong? Do they think it's impossible that they're right. wrong? It's just, that's what, that's what really bends my mind in the knots if I think about it.
1: Yeah, awesome. yeah. it's the science grant.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. The science. Yeah, it's, it's my differing view on what constitutes science. It's like, I'm very passionate about science and just that that right there, like that, they've co-opted the term, um, and, and made stole it,
0: science.
2: <laughs> yeah, made it something that uh, is governed by top-down institution, institutional with, control, and consensus
0: with manipulated like, data. That's not what
2: it is. It's not yeah. a consensus. It's a process that helps you know things about the universe. You All know, right. it's not. You know, an an institution and and a consensus doesn't doesn't do that um but yeah i mean you're you're science math. so i we've been talking for a long time i want to close up by leaning on your uh like on the same topic leaning on your uh educational background and your mm. background in mathematics
0: mm-hmm. you know
2: so it's like you have that background and we were just you know talking about this in my frustrations what is something that you that's really stuck out to you um not and it, you could you could pick anything uh this is kind of the last thing we'll talk about cuz you know we're we're coming up on over 2 hours yeah but um just your ability and your understanding of mathematics and statistics and just the level of stupidity and lack of fidelity to basic principles of statistics and mathematical accuracy and using those tools appropriately within the military Pertaining to COVID or not.
1: I mean, I think just the, the idea that we were told a third of America was going to die, right? <laughs> I mean, like the extraordinary numbers that they were using, uh, the news organizations and whoever was using initially, right? Three years ago, we were told a lot of people are going to die, you know? And I'm, I'm open to the idea, of hey if this is dangerous let's do something but once it became apparent that it wasn't right like once it became immediately obvious that people were surviving doing well
0: nobody's being making, found dead in their homes
1: making tiktok videos right you know, nurses with tiktok videos i don't think they did themselves any favors with that um, but statistically and from a mathematics point of view the yeah I, I think that was the that was it that was it when when what was predicted didn't come to fruition and the unwillingness to reevaluate and reattack right i think that was and i know it's not some heady mathematical thing no, but
0: it's, I don't it, think it, it has. That is a
2: principle. That is a principle sense. of statistics. Yeah, you know, because you're you're talking about models, and you know the yeah. first thing that comes to mind is that Imperial uh, College of London model that uh, Neil Ferguson, right, that was his name, came out with that predicted some number of millions of deaths, mm-hmm. and it's like you said, you know, reality wasn't reflected by that model, and so what do you do if you're a serious professional? Um, in that field, well, you, you recognize that your model's wrong, and you yeah. you adjust the input data. You got to adjust,
1: <laughs> yeah. and they didn't do that. They just, you well, know, ex- went with that same assumption. Exactly, right. and then and then also in the some of the DMed stuff, I got to work with that um, with the Defense Medical Epidemiology Database. Yeah. Um. I had gotten into that, some of those, uh, some of those, and then modeled some of them, you know, and if that stuff was accurate, it would be impossible to know someone. Like if the numbers were accurate from three years ago, four years ago, there is no way you wouldn't know a dozen people with enlarged hearts on active duty, right? Yeah. As just some dude wandering around the ship, I should be able to tell you five or six guys, gals on board, sailors, who had this specific health problem.
2: And you're talking about after they took the database down and adjusted the after numbers the from 2016 to uh,
1: 2019. Po- po- oh, yeah, yeah. Post-glitch, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, I remember that.
1: <laughs> post-glitch. Uh- <clears throat>
0: Okay, uh, so I, I got one more question before we close out. If you're ready to close out, Grant, um, I've asked everybody this so far, and I plan on asking everybody that comes on in the future. Uh, this is your 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 one time to talk to the world. Our whole like twenty seven subscribers, you know. But uh, what's uh what's your message to the world? It can be about anything: leadership, yeah, morals, character. You know what? What do you want to tell the world right now?
1: Don't be afraid. All That's, right. It's simple. Like, don't be afraid. Uh, if you're if you're where you were, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, there's nothing to be afraid of.
0: Right. I feel that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, it was great having you on, Mark. Yeah. Was, nice to meet you. Yeah. Very nice meeting you. I, I hope to talk to you more. Um, I'm, I've been taking notes this whole time. Um, like I said, I didn't get involved like I, like I wanted to, um, at the beginning it was, but it was a lot of like Google, uh, a lot of like researching policies, regulations, laws, that type of stuff. And -hmm. there wasn't really like groups necessarily like well-founded groups by the time I had, you know, gotten out and realized that, that my fight was kind of done. Right. My, my fight kind of started again when I realized that, hey, my voice was silenced. My appeal was never sent up. It should have been. That's when I reached out to Grant. Um, but I mean, I don't care if the appeal goes up anymore, but ultimately, if I never would have had that thought, I would have never met Grant. We would never have this l- amazing, awesome leadership podcast and, uh, you know, or or meet you, Mark, or anybody else, you know? Um, so it's it's definitely... You know, it's definitely had some negative effects in my life, but you know, it's also bringing positivity as well. And hopefully it's the, the genesis of a whole new chapter. You know,
1: I think anyone who didn't get stabbed has a net gain right now.
0: (laughs) So, yeah.
2: And it's, and it's a, a way that, you know, just like any identity that you have, you can use to build connection with people. Right. Um, you know, it's a, it's a way to build connection with people, with like-minded people. And that's exactly. not to say it's exclusive. Um, it's just another, another one of those things. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful for it because, uh, you know, grateful to have, have you guys friends and get to, um, have this great conversation. Um, and going forward, you know, if we're able to talk to Rob, like you said, if you, if you want to be involved in that, to be able to ask some questions, you know, we'd love to have you on for that as well. Yeah. yeah. That'd be pretty I'll... neat. Yeah. All right,
0: guys. Thanks for having me. Have a great afternoon. Until next time. Bye.